Hello, podcast listeners. I I have to say, if you've been paying attention to the market today, there was somewhat of a downtrend and then it rebounded like crazy. And I have to say, I just don't know what to think about this market in general right now. But we do have some articles to talk about because there's a lot of contradiction happening, especially towards the end of this podcast that we're going to be talking about today. Okay. First thing we are going to be talking about, though. Uh, for today's articles, we're gonna be talking about how China's competitiveness and chip bill passes house and now goes to Joe Biden and sitting on his desk to be signed currently right now, which is kind of a huge, huge deal in the making, at least here in the United States. Okay. JetBlue has won the battle for spirit. Now apparently has to win over Biden's justice department. And I firmly believe this is going to still go through in the end because I mean, we'll, we'll cover that more later. And then finally, we're going to end today by talking about three different articles and how they give us three different opinions about if we truly are in a recession. The numbers came out today and they pretty much pointed that we are in a recession, but three different people are taking a different look at it. And we got to be able to talk about that today. With that being said, guys, I have to mention, like I said, every podcast that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape or form because I'm not a professional advisor. You need to go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. You also need to do your own research before investing because there's no chance that you'll ever make money in investing in stocks. If I talk about any stocks in this podcast today, I need to make sure to mention that if I do talk about them, I will make sure to mention that I have positions in them. If I do have positions, if not, I will not be mentioning that because I think for the most part, I'm not gonna be talking about uh, stock positions that I currently hold. But in case I do talk about it, I'll make sure I mention it in this podcast. But with that being said, guys, let's begin today's podcast today. From the politics side of things, House passes bill to boost US chip production and China competition, sending it to Biden. Okay. From CNBC, the House on Thursday passed bipartisan legislation to boost US competitiveness with China by allocating billions of dollars toward domestic semiconductor manufacturing and science research. The bill passed 243 to 187 with no Democrats voting against the bill. 24 Republicans voted for legislation, even after a last minute push by GOP leaders to oppose it. The bill, which passed the Senate on Wednesday, now heads to the White House for President Joe Biden to sign into law. It is exactly what we need to do, be doing to grow our economy right now, Biden said in a statement after the vote. I look forward to signing this bill into law. Lawmakers pushed it quickly approve the package before they depart Washington, D.C. for the August recess, but the final vote came after years of wrangling on Capitol Hills and the legislation take, taking numerous forms and names in both chambers of Congress. The ultimate version, known as the Chips and Science Act, included more than $52 billion for U.S. companies producing computer chips, as well as billions more in tax credits to encourage investment in chip manufacturing. It also provides tens of billions to fund scientific research and to spur the innovation development of other U.S. technologies. I bet some of those technologies that they're going to be talking about in the bill are probably Green New Deal stuff, but we're not going to get into that in today's podcast, obviously. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat for California, called the bill a major victory for American families and the American economy. But House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, a Republican for California, urged his colleagues to reject this deeply flawed bill and start from scratch in floor remarks before the vote. The Senate passed the bill Wednesday in a 64-33 vote, drawing support from 17 Republicans along those yeas were Senator Med Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who previously warned that Republicans would not back the China competition bill if Democrats continue to pursue an unrelated recollection package. 
I have to say, like I said, I wonder what was going to be in the bill. And something tells me there's going to be a lot of green energy stuff in this bill, like something with solar panels or maybe something along the lines of having more electric cars and getting rid of gas and oil, which is still considered the backbone of our economy. I mean, we're still considered in a quote unquote energy crisis in the making, especially in the world right now. But it's good to see that the bill did pass. I mean, China is potentially eyeing Taiwan. And with most of your chips coming from one country, or not really a country, from an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, that's going to be an issue, okay? And I don't want to live in a world where if China does ever invade Taiwan, that the market's going to be crashing because China invaded Taiwan, okay? Continuing on, the article says, hours after Wednesday's bipartisan vote, Senate vote, Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin revealed that they had struck a deal with the sweeping recollection bill. It has been a momentous 24 hours here in Congress, a legislation one-two punch that the American people rarely see, Schumer said in a post-vote victory lap Thursday afternoon. Schumer and Manchin hope to pass the reclamation package next week with a simple majority in the Senate, even if evenly split between Republicans, Democrats, and Vice President Kamala Harris casting any tiebreaker vote. Yeah, we need to pay attention to see what's coming in these bills, but it's also just disturbing to see that they would pass this bill so quickly at the same time. But in a way, this could be a win because we should be making our own chips at home, especially here in the United States. You can't just rely on one area of the world to be making the chips. I mean, I know there's some in Taiwan, there's some in China, and I think there's some in Germany. And I think there's other countries too, if I'm not mistaken, from past podcasts that we've talked about. So I would listen to those past podcast guys to remember where those are at. But at the same time, it's good to see that this bill might have passed and it could end up saving the American economy. Now, with those other things that are in the bill, though, it's concerning, though, if there is anything else besides chips. But, I mean, they're going to do what they have to do, I guess, at the end of the day. And needless to say, I'm a little weary on it, but at the same time, I'm kind of happy. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I'll, I'll know in time, but the market's going to react probably a little crazy once the bill is officially signed by Joe Biden. So... On to the next article, and this is something we've been talking about a while in this podcast, and it has to do with JetBlue. JetBlue won the battle for spirit. Now it has to win over the Biden Justice Department, okay? This is here from CNBC. JetBlue Airway finally won over Spirit Airlines with a $3.8 billion takeover deal. Now it needs to win over the antitrust regulators. The New York-based airline snatched up Spirit away from Frontier Airlines with an all-cash offer that torpedoed the cash and stock deal the two discount airlines had forged earlier this year. Hours after the Spirit and Frontier said they terminated their merger agreement, which lacked shareholder support, Spirit said it agreed to sell itself to JetBlue. JetBlue said it expects to win regulatory approval in the fourth quarter of next year or the first three months in 2024. The carrier expects the deal to close in the first half of 2024. If regulatory sign off, it would mean that the end of Spirit, a brand new, ha- a brand that has become a punchline about the indigenous of discount air travel, where passengers trade comfort like standard legroom snacks and free cabin baggage for a cheap fare. Royal regulators will allow an ultra-low-cost airline to get absorbed during the hottest stretch of inflation in decades and remodeled into JetBlue's image, which more closely resembles large carriers. With the regulatory regulatory hurdle is high, President Joe Biden's Justice Department has vowed to challenge out any deals that could harm competition. Last year, it sued to block JetBlue's alliance with American Airlines in the Northeast. A trial is set to begin late September. JetBlue is optimistic. The DOJ lawsuit al- alleges American could per- 
could overpower JetBlue and says the alliance, which let American JetBlue coordinate routes in busy airports serving New York and Boston amounts to a de facto merger. JetBlue CEO Robin Hay said the combined spear and JetBlue, which would become a country's fifth largest airline, would create a strong competitor to the big four carriers, America, Delta, United, and Southwest. After more than a decade of consolidation, those carriers control roughly three quarters of the U.S. market. One reason why I think this is going to go through in the end is JetBlue had been mentioning the entire time that even if Frontier had won, that they couldn't pass the regulatory uh, as well. Because that that's what Spirit was saying the entire time, why they couldn't merge with JetBlue, was because they were like, oh, if we merge with you, JetBlue, then we're not going to be able to pass the regulatory period. But JetBlue CEO said the exact same thing. He was like, you do this, you merge with Frontier, you're going to have to go through the exact same hurdles as well. If anything, whatever spins off from this merger is going to end up getting eaten up by Frontier at the end of the day, at least in my opinion. It's hard to tell, but as of right now, it just seems like it's going to go that way. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'm glad this merger is almost done in the talks. We'll probably talk about this in some future podcasts a little bit more down the down the road if this does get a, finally get approved. But it's also good to see that the shareholders won and that the board at Frontier didn't win in the end because you could tell that they really were trying to push for the stock and cash deal. But I like I told in a past podcast, the all cash offer on hand seems more attractive, especially right now when it seems like we're going into a recession or at least in one currently right now. But it's good to see the shareholders win at the end of the day. But speaking of recession, at least what feels like one, we're going to talk about the if are we in a recession? And by the, time I, by the time I'm done talking about this on today's podcast, I truly hope some of you out there can get the word out to friends and family to share about this podcast because, in my opinion, there's people who are lying and I'm kind of tired of it. And it would be nice to get the word out to people about what's really happening because I don't think everyone's not everyone's paying attention to this. Okay. I, I'm sure people feel it in their wallets currently right now, but that's a whole other thing. It says here, from CNBC, GDP dips, sparking recession fears. But don't confuse the headlines with the reality, expert says. Here's what's really happening, okay? Says here, second quarterly, uh, correction, the U.S. economy contracted in the quarter from April to June, the Bureau of Economic Analysis reported Thursday after a 1.6% year-over-year decline in U.S. gross domestic product in the first quarter. The second quarter, 0.9%, fell marked two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth a widely cited rule of thumb to indicate that the economy has entered a recession. Officially, though, it hasn't. Not yet, anyway. The National Bureau of Economic Research, the MBR, is in charge of declaring recessions and expansions and likely won't make a judgment for months. And when it does, the GDP, a board measure of economic activity, will only be one of many factors the Bureau of Economicists will consider. Quote, great, you may be thinking, but what do I do in the meantime? While it's worth making sure that you're prepared financially or economic turmoil, the most important move may be simply not to panic and make big changes to your investing strategy, says Jim Paulson, chief investment strategist of Lethal Group. Here's what financial experts say that the current economic picture and what you can do if you worry a recession may be intimate. Recession or no, don't confuse the headlines with underlying data. Even if the MBR hasn't officially declared a recession, that won't stop journalists politicals, or Twitter debaters from saying the economy is in one. Don't confuse headlines with underlying data, says Brad McMillan, chief investment officer of the Commonwealth Financial Network. People might call this a technical recession, and that's because it doesn't really meet a lot of criteria. 
By the MBR's official definition, a recession is marked by a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. It's hard to say that certain major aspects of the economy are in decline, says Paulson. There have been slowdowns in consumption and in business spending, but neither have contracted, he says, pointing out that new jobs and corporate profits continue to trend upward. It's hard to call it a major economic contraction. Okay. Okay, businesses are, I guess, making more money. I mean, today Apple just reported earnings and it was pretty decent and Amazon reported numbers and it's pretty decent too and their stocks have gone up in after hours. But what I want to know is this. What if people are using credit cards right now to pay for their lifestyle? Oh, wait, we have talked about that in the past. People were using credit cards and tapping into their emergency savings to keep up their lifestyle that they had. How is that not a recession, people? Let's continue on with this article. Still on the ground, many aspects of the current economy feel distinctly recession-like thanks to sky-high inflation. 71% of Americans say their income is falling to keep is failing to keep up with expenses, according to a recent survey. From Alienized Life, shoppers are encountering widespread product shortages like retailers such as Walmart anticipating shrinking profits due to belt tightening among customers. And then preparing for a recession before we get into what Janet Yellen's saying, which will make some of you infuriated if you listen to what we're going to read about. Says here, if you're frightening about the thoughts of recession, it's worth taking a step back and considering what you actually are afraid of. McMillan says, are you expecting trouble for you personally or for the economy or as a whole? If you're not worried about yourself, maybe you just need to, to worry about that much. It still makes sense to take some precaution, however. While the job market is currently strong, a further economic decline could mean that jobs become more peerless um, and could be on the wrong side, says that. And you could be on the wrong side of that, says Paulson. Your first line of defense is an emergency fund. With financial experts say, you should ideally cover three to six months worth of living expenses. Quote, you should be mindful of your debt situation as well, said Paulson. Consider reducing your credit card expenditures and focus on paying down any high interest rates debt you may have, which could balloon if you fall into financial or difficult financial times. When it comes to your portfolio, don't go out of bounds of you plan ahead of your own. Or... <clears throat> Sorry, don't go outside the the bounds of the plan you already have in place," said Paulson. Yeah, I just I just don't believe this one bit. Okay, we've talked about this in past podcasts, and like I always will tell you, please go listen to some of these past podcasts about what was happening a few months ago with people tapping into credit cards, using their savings account, or in this case, what Jen Yellen's saying. Yellen says the economy is not in a recession despite GDP slump. Okay. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Thursday, the economy is in a state of transition, not recession, despite two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Recession, Yellen insisted, is a broad-based weakening of our economy that includes substantial layoffs, business closures, strains in household finances, and a slowdown in the private sector. Okay, let's continue reading on before I rebuttal some of the stuff from Janet Yellen. That is not what we're seeing right now, she said during an afternoon news conference at the Treasury. When you look at the economy, job creation is continuing. Household finances remain strong. Consumers are spending and businesses are growing. Those comments, though, came at the same day that the Commerce Department Bureau of Economic Analysis reported the gross domestic product, the broadest measure of economic activity, fell 0.9% in the second quarter. Coming at the heels of a 1.6% contraction in the first quarter, the two straight declines meet a commonly used definition of recession. The National Bureau of Economic Research, however, is the official arbiter of a recession and likely won't rule for months. 
Yellen started her remarks with listing of the administration's economic accomplishments, including non-farm payroll growth and more than 9 million. But inflation has proved the bigger obstacle rising to 9.1% in June, while economic growth has failed to keep up. Consumer and business confidence levels have plunged, with recent surveys showing a solid majority of Americans believe the country is in a recession. Yellen acknowledged the burden of higher prices carry and said that the administration is laser focused on addressing the situation. Okay. Last thing I'm going to read before I start rebuttaling everything that Jenny Yellen's saying, or at least to the best of my knowledge from past podcasts that we've talked about. Continuing on the article, quote, we've entered a new phase in our recovery focused on achieving steady, stable growth without sacrificing the gains in the last 18 months, she said. We know there are challenges ahead of us. Growth is slowly globally. Inflation remains unacceptably high. And this administration's top priority is to bring it down. President Joe Biden and Yellen both touted the possibilities of a new bill that could that Democratic lawmakers apparently have agreed on to fight inflation. The legislation is aimed at raising tax revenue, lowering drug costs, and investing in renewable energy. Yellen noted that while the Federal Reserve, which she chaired from 2014 to 2018, has the primary role of bringing down inflation, the president and I are committed to taking action to drive down costs and protect Americans from a global pressure we face. Okay. And of course, at the end, says Yellen attributed rising inflation to the war in Ukraine, supply chain problems, and the COVID pandemic. She did not discuss the impact of the monetary or fiscal stimulus had a pre- had on price pressures. Okay. Okay, Janet. Now from my fun part before I really rebuttal against what you're saying here. Okay. She says, and I quote again. Okay. She says, that's not what we're seeing right now. When you look at the economy, job creation is continuing. Household financials remain strong. Consumers are spending and businesses are growing. Okay. If businesses are growing, then please explain to me, Janet Yellen, why the tech sector has been laying off people. Shopify yesterday, we just talked about in our podcast here. Okay. Shopify had to lay off about 10% of its workers. Microsoft is not hiring as many people. Okay. I believe Facebook's in the same boat as well. Uh, I believe Morgan Stanley, we talked about in the past podcast, is not trying to hire as many people as well either. I know for a fact, if I'm not mistaken, that Jamie Dimon also said that as well. And we've talked about two retail companies, uh, or not retail, um, housing companies that do real estate. They are not hiring as many people either. So what is it, Janin? Okay, because your your quote too also says too, broad-based weakening of our economy that includes substantial layoffs. Oh, look, layoffs right there. Business closures. I don't know about the business closure side of things, but maybe that will come next. Strains in household finances and a slowdown in the private sector activity. There is a slowdown in the private sector activity. Shopify even said yesterday that they weren't going to be hiring as many people and they were going to lay off people that weren't necessary. Okay. Now, granted that, like I said, that is a Canadian-based company. But we actually started this podcast because... We wanted to be able to know what was really happening out there. And I had been let go from my job. And I started this podcast because I just needed to be able to, I guess, keep my skills up untacked. But we we are in a recession. And Janet Yellen is flat out lying. And it should make you mad. Don't believe me? Let's look at Roku, okay? It says here in the tech sector, Roku, Roku shares creator after company misses on earnings and warns of, recessionary fears. Okay. So it's your Roku shares plummeted more than 25% and extended trading on Thursday after the company expectations on top and bottom lines for the second quarter and warned of economic environment defined by recessionary fears. Here's how the company did 
earnings lost 82 cents per share versus a loss of 69 cents expected, according to Refinitiv. Revenue, 764 million versus 805 million expected, according to Refinitiv. The company attributed to its poor financial performance due to macroeconomic conditions, including inflation, as well as supply chain issues. Roku added that the advertising market will continue to suffer in the current quarter and consumers' spend will moderate, which could hurt the company's business of selling Roku TV-related hardware devices. The company said it trimmed operating expenses and slowed headcount growth in the second quarter. Quote, we believe the pullback mirrors the start of the pandemic in 2020 when the market's Prepared for the macro uncertainties by quickly reducing ad spend across all platforms, Roku said in a letter to shareholders. Ah, there it is. Ad spend across all platforms. Additionally, Roku missed on its guidance and said it would bring its $700 million in revenue during the first uh, correction during the third quarter, well below the, nine, well below the $902 million that analysis surveyed Refinitiv were estimating. Because of market volatility, Roku said it's withdrawing its full-year growth estimates. The company said that advertisers currently... Uh, correction, curtailed their spending on television advertisements during the quarter, underscoring how fears of recession are causing businesses to pull back on marketing. Huh, pulling back on marketing. Does that mean companies are going to be laying off more people? Potentially. And does that mean businesses are growing? Well, Roku's not. Which is it, Janet? Which one is it? Okay. Last thing we'll read before we end today's podcast and with thoughts says Meta, for instance, reported poor second quarter financial results this week in which executives blamed macroeconomic uncertainty and a weak advertising demand environment. Facebook works with a lot of small businesses, people. Are you catching on what's going on? Yes, just yet. And to finish the quote that will last throughout the current quarter. It says here, Snap and Twitter, which both rely on online advertising, also reported weak financials inside a tough advertising market that doesn't appear to be recovering any time soon. Okay. Now, granted, this could be complete bias because the tech sector is obviously laying off people. And I will be willing to admit that because we've mostly read about the tech sector. But then why is the why is a company like JP Morgan Chase not willing to hire as many people? Why is it that a com- companies that do real estate are laying off people? Now, if you're working in the oil and gas sector, you might not be feeling it as much, at least in my opinion, because oil and gas is in demand right now even though we're not drilling as much here in the United States, which I still think we should be. But Joe Biden has made it very clear that we will not be drilling here, whether it's in the Gulf of Mexico, off the coast, off the coast of Alaska, off the coast of California, or off the East Coast. He's made it very clear. And there's other sectors too, like the mining and mineral side of things. Maybe you're not feeling it as well. Or maybe those are just not being reported as much. Okay. When tech companies have to lay people off, I mean, Wall Street loves tech companies because tech companies can give a lot of profits to to Wall Street in general because they can grow really, really fast, but they also can fall really, really fast. Apple just reported earnings and it was pretty decent today, but there's still worries across the board. At the end of the day, it boils down to this, at least in my opinion. They're lying. Janet Yellen's lying. The White House is lying. If you're an average consumer, like an everyday spender in the American economy, I think you know the truth. And I think people like, I think the everyday American understands what's truly going on. I think the world understands what's going on too, okay? I think the world might be in a quote-unquote recession right now. At least it feels that way in the United States. But there are layoffs to back up everything I just said. And Janet Yellen, 
you, you're so full of it. Uh, someone needs to call her out, and we will here on this podcast. Jen Yellen, stop it lying. Stop lying to the American people. Please tell it how it is. You're probably not going to because you're afraid of the consequences that could happen to you, where you'd probably lose your job immediately, or you'll deal with a lot of angry politicians, or maybe just a lot of angry Americans across the board. It's hard to tell, but we're willing to call it out on this podcast right now. Janet Yellen, please stop it lying. We've read tons of reports in the past about layoffs across the board. Please listen to those past podcasts, guys, if you want to be able to get more information about what's really happening. Because they're not going to tell you what's going on out there for reals, though. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that if you have, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast so we'll be able to get the truth out there of what's really happening, or at least be able to talk about as much as we can about what's really going on in the markets. And also, not only like and subscribe, but please share with friends or family, as they might be able to enjoy this podcast as well to be able to know what's really going on out there. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you, and goodbye.